guys, and welcome to this presentation of the Heel Tough blog podcast, talking everything Carolina football. So it's been about, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, we've been able to get on here and just kind of chat and talk about what's going on in the world of Carolina football. And since then, there have been some big time things that have gone on. So today I'm bringing in my buddy, Zach Hubbard. We're going to come on here and we're going to talk to you guys about the biggest storylines going on. So Zach, how's it going today, man? Yeah, man. Uh, pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I know, uh, start, start out just a little personal. I know you're, uh, you, you know, you're a student at Carolina, so you're out, uh, for, for summer break right, right now, aren't you? Uh, yeah, graduation is actually this coming Sunday. So myself and all the other seniors will be finishing our education at Carolina. So it's certainly, certainly a happy time. Well, there you go, man. Hey, congratulations from, uh, from all of us here and, uh, you know, I, I know you're going to go on to do big and uh, big and better things, man. So it's going to be awesome for you. Well, thank you. Hey, man. So, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, you know, you're you're one of those guys we love to have on. You love Carolina football. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into some of the storylines. We're going to start with recruiting because that's kind of the biggest thing right now. Just the other day, we actually got a commitment from three-star safety Giovanni Biggers, who comes from the Baltimore area, Boys Latin High School. Um, so, you know, a pretty big pickup for the heels. He's the best player right now in this class. Um, just some measurements, things on him, uh, listed online at six foot 170, but I talked to his coach yesterday. So it could be a little bit, uh, he, he might be a little bit bigger as of right now. Uh, last year, 39 tackles and an interception in seven games that were listed on max preps. I think those numbers might be a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, I did end up watching his tape, and there's definitely some things that are there. Um, just, you know, on the surface, what do you think about bringing in uh, Giovanni Biggers, and uh, what do you think that does at least to hopefully get the momentum rolling in this 2019 class? Um, well, I think it's a great pickup. It's certainly a guy that, after looking at the measurables and watching his film, um, is a guy that I liked. I, I mean, the main knock that people have already found is that he ran a 40 time his sophomore year that was in like the about the five flat area. But uh, reading the article that you put on the blog uh, about uh, you know the things that his coaches have said, and then just looking at the film, obviously that's not the case. Right. This is a guy that has. Great speed, great finishing, great tackling uh, on the ball carrier, uh, but certainly can play in space as well. Um, may not have the one concern that I saw from watching his film is I'm not sure as of right now that he has the best hands, but that's somewhat to be expected. I mean, uh, he was playing at linebacker, I believe, his sophomore year just because of they had a lot of uh, veterans on that team right secondary right uh so he, he's he's really still learning the position but his his size is great i really like the tools that he brings to the table um and also despite him as a player just him being in that area with the guys that unc has brought on the staff and with the increased presence uh sort of in that area within what they call the dmv which is you know dc maryland right virginia into pennsylvania new jersey it's great to go ahead and get a guy in there because uh, North Carolina is looking to get or is targeting, is courting several guys kind of within that East Coast area outside of the traditional recruiting field. So it, it's great to just go ahead and get a guy in that area to have some familiarity there uh, to build further on into this class. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it really if you've been keeping up uh, with the offers, which I know you probably have. I mean, that Baltimore area is an area we are starting to hit hard with offers, and it's a talented area. So. You know, that DMV area, we've dipped in there before, and we've come out with a lot of success. Now, you know, the guys that are recruiting for us, like Robert Gillespie, like Henry Baker, and, of course, Tommy Thigpen, they've recruited there before. So, yeah, they're dipping into there, um, and they've seemed to they've, – they've been offering – the state of Georgia has been hit hard over the past couple of weeks, and same thing with Florida. So it seems like those are the focal areas right now. And, uh, you know, with, with Biggers, they did a great job. I mean, they offered him, I, if I remember correctly, it was at the end of March. And we have his commitment here in early uh, May. So that's a great job done by the coaching staff to get on it quick and really seal the deal. Um, I mean, you talked about his tape. Yeah, I really liked what I saw. I think, uh, you know, that, that, that five flat, that may have just been a bad day. 
for him. And again, you know, saw you said that he ran it his sophomore year. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I talked to the coach yesterday and he told me, you know, he did have to play outside linebacker because, you know, there was just so much talent that they had in the secondary when he was a sophomore. So, you know, I, I, I think that might be a little misleading. I think he plays faster than he's going to test. Uh, and I mean, from what I watched, his closing speed is amazing. His ability to get from prop, I mean, it's, it's, he's at least, at least 10 yards deep, uh, from the line of scrimmage, maybe, maybe a little bit closer. He might be about eight yards deep, but he, his ability to get a runner back down in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage is amazing. And, you know, the, the concerns about his hands, um, you know, I think, I think they might be somewhat justified, but at the same time, I, I don't know if maybe it's just that that's not, you know, his, his, his the thing he likes to show on tape. Um, you know, he, I think he really wants to play the safety position, so he puts a lot of hard hits and a lot of his, you know, his, his run support tackling on tape. Um, because what the coach told me, uh, Coach Richie Shell, who coaches up there, great guy, uh, he told me that Boston College actually wanted him to play corner. So... To me, that seems like there's there's got to be something there if they're wanting you to play corner. You you can't have horrible hands to play corner. So I don't think his hands are that bad. Um, but it's definitely something to, to to keep an eye on going forward. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a, a, you know a, a good pickup for us here. Uh, I'm most definitely happy with uh, what we've done so far, especially because that is a Tommy Sigpen guy. So. Um, you know, the other one that I wanted to talk about, this one was at the end of April, so uh, it's it, a little bit of time has passed. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know you probably saw it again, the two-star uh, long, uh, long snapper, Drew Little, who plays at North Stanley High School in New London, North Carolina. Um, we flipped him back on April 29th. Uh, 5'11", 225. Uh, the big thing is, though, is who we flipped them from. We flipped them from NC State. Now, I wrote an article. I posted it. And in some of the groups, I've gotten feedback from people that have said, look, man, it's a long snapper. Why are you trying to hype us up over a long snapper? So I want you to try to help me out here. I'm not saying that a long snapper is the biggest deal, but the fact that we flipped him from NC State, do you think that that's a reason to get somewhat excited, especially about an in-state prospect? I think absolutely, and I don't think people should discount him being a long snapper either. I mean, he's he is a long snapper, but he's the number two long snapper in the nation. I mean, that's that's not not a big deal, and obviously, long snappers not. I, I guess you'd say the the most interesting of positions as compared to maybe the skill positions or what have you, but it's 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 a football position. It's an important position. It's it's integral to your kicking and punting, which are something that Carolina has a, had a lot of success with recently and would like to continue to have success with. Um, and it, it's it's an integral part of your game. I mean, you wanna you wanna get off clean snaps so that your punter and kicker can go to work, so that you can score field goals, which are important, and so that you can get good punts and get good field position. So the idea that Carolina should not be happy about this, I think, is a little, um, I'm not a, a little hasty, I would say. Right. Uh, and then also, any. As a Carolina fan, any time that UNC can take a recruit from NC State, that's a great day. And <laughs> I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, to add on to that sort of um, recruiting update, right. NC, NC State's football team is recruiting at a very good pace right now. They may not right. have the commitments right now. I think they have about as many as we do, about three or four. Right. But they, they, are, they are in on a lot of the same guys we are. Right. They are heavy in that so even if it's a long snapper it, it is a good sign to see Carolina winning recruiting battles and it's it's a positive sign for the future in general I think that this football staff or this current uh football staff has already shown that they are more active on the re recruiting trail that they are better recruiters even if mm -hmm. it's just a couple of these oh, yeah. guys already I mean the guys that you mentioned Robert Gillespie Tommy Thigpen Henry Baker these guys are going out there they're going into the field they're talking to kids. They're making good impressions on what UNC has to offer, uh, not only as an athletics program and as a football team, but as a school. I, I think that speaks volumes. Um, not to uh, speak poorly of anyone from the previous staff or anything like that, but things that I've heard 
from interviews with recruits and from message boards, things like that, is that the past staffs maybe did not do as good a job as they could have done being active in communication with recruits, being active on the recruiting trail, being active in evaluation. So even even with a two-star long snapper, I think that that is a key win and a key sign of things to go and a reason to be optimistic about this coaching staff going into the future in terms of recruiting. Yeah, you nailed it on the head right there. You're talking about the ability of this staff so far and what they've done. Here's how you know they've done a great job. There's a guy, the one that I look at is a guy that just released his top five, and he's a three-star athlete, J.R. Walker, from out at Northeastern High School out in Elizabeth City, out near the coast. This was a guy that pretty much everybody had written us off and said, look, there's no way they're going to crack his top five. This kid has said, look, he's not really that interested in the Tar Heels. Now he comes out, his top five has Carolina in it, and he says that they are trending in the right direction because of Tommy Thigpen. He has had a huge impact, and I think, yeah, this staff in general has just gone out, and they have really hammered it. I mean, the offers, I can't really remember another year where we've had this many offers out there. And, you know, you can say, well, that's that can be a good or a bad thing because there's, you know, different you know approaches to recruiting. You can just throw a bunch of offers out there and hope some of them stick. Or you can throw offers out there and really focus on getting those guys. But I don't think they're just throwing a bunch of offers and hoping they stick. They're really keeping in touch with these guys. And I think by spreading a, a wide net, they're expanding what they, you know, the guys that they can see and the guys that they can possibly bring in. Um, you know, you mentioned with NC State, they're going after a lot of recruits. You know, Drew Little, you know, who we just talked about, the long snapper that got flipped. Well, his teammate, C.J. Clark, is a four-star defensive tackle, one of the more talented guys in the state this year. And again, NC State's in the race for him. Another guy that released his top eight, but then actually ended up rescinding it, uh, Joshua Harris, who goes to Person High School up in Roxborough, North Carolina. Um I, the, the reason why probably is because Bama offered, but again, NC State was there. So you you hit it right on the head. When, right now, anything that we can do against NC State, whether I don't care if we're flipping, you know, a towel boy at this point, we have got to be able to show that hey, you know, we can we're recruiting on the level that State is because right now they are recruiting very well. There's there's nobody. I don't care what any Tar Heel fan says. You've got to you've got to look and realize that they are doing a great job, and so is Duke to this point in this class. So, um, you know, I, I think we've got some momentum going though, and that and that's the uh, that's the good thing. So, uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to touch on in recruiting, real quick? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to second that and say that, like you said, very quickly. I mean, this is this is a staff that's getting back in on a lot of guys that were written mm -hmm. off as Carolina uh, Carolina takes or races that Carolina was um, competitive in. I mean, you have uh, J.R. Walker that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and also uh, one that's recently becoming more of Carolina's trying to get back into the race is Savion Jackson out of Clayton. I mean, he's right. a, yeah. a top, top, top 40, mm -hmm. top 50 type of guy that's visited Carolina very recently. A lot of earlier guys wrote him off as either a South Carolina or an NC State guy. Mm -hmm. Carolina's getting back into the race, and then to finish up, I mean, you mentioned Duke. Duke has a very early lead with a lot of in-state guys. Right. Running back Donovan Knight and wide receiver Donovan Green and then a couple of corners such as uh, Tony Davis and Isaiah Kemp. Mm -hmm. And uh, UNC is getting in on a lot of these guys and are saying, right. look at what we've done, look exactly. at what's going on here. And guys are responding. I mean, these are guys that committed early on to Duke but are now – very publicly taking second looks at a mm -hmm. lot of other programs, in, including UNC. So, like you said, this is this is a staff and this is a program that is a lot more aggressive on the recruiting trail uh, and is doing a lot of this work earlier on, uh, which I think will help in the long run. Right. So yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll move on from recruiting. We could stand it. We we could sit there and just talk about recruiting all day if if we really wanted to. So. Yeah. You know, turning to one of the guys that actually we recruited this past year, our, our, our biggest recruit this past year, Jordan Adams. We all know what's pretty much going on with his situation. He's got a decision coming up. It's either Major League Baseball or college football. So, I mean, you look at it right now. 
The draft is under a month away. It takes place June 4th through June 6th. And, you know, right now, the latest thing that I've seen, Keith Law of ESPN, who is pretty much as good as they come when it comes to baseball draft uh, expertise, he has him as the number 18 selection in the 2018 Major League Baseball draft. Now, there is a catch. Most of the teams that are looking at him in the first round or even most early rounds in general are saying, look, We've got, you know, we've got to have a decision by June 4th. Uh, you know, right now, I, I don't know quite where he sits at that. I think we all know that the heels are going to hold a pretty solid advantage when it comes to knowing just what he's thinking, considering his dad is on the staff. Um, but, you know, what what do you make right now of, you know, what, you know, where Keith Law has him at and, you know, as as a fan, you know, I'm kind of wondering, you know, I know I have my opinion on it. Are, are you worried about him possibly jumping to Major League Baseball? Um, I've seen that as well, and I don't think that it – initially, I think a lot of fans, including myself, thought that that was kind of a far-fetched idea. He was still kind of lower in the mock drafts, but now that he's getting kind of these first and second round kind of grades, it's a little bit more um, – of a legitimate question whether he would, um, you know, enter college or go ahead and enter um, the OMB draft. And personally, I'm not as big as of a baseball guy, so I don't know as much about it. I do know that with the MLB draft, um, you know, a lot of guys get drafted. Right. Um, so it's it's not uncommon for, for guys, even guys that have little to no interest in it, to be drafted. But yet again, we're talking about a guy that could be a first-rounder. So um, it – it would not be surprising if he decided to forego his college career and go ahead into the draft. But also, I think that there are many benefits to him staying in college besides just that you and I and every other Carolina fan would like him to. Right. Uh, there, there's a benefit for him going to college. There's mm -hmm. the education. There's the proximity with his dad being on the staff. There's the experience that he can gain just as players uh, – in, in both uh, college baseball and college football. Mm -hmm. um, so, and this was a guy that, you know, coming out of high school, a lot of people saw as someone that could thrive at both sports. And I don't think that if he, I don't think that his draft stock in either sport would necessarily fall for him going into college. So I would say it's kind of 50-50 at this point. I, I it, It's hard to know. There's not a lot of information coming out of it. Um, right. You know, people, people have said, you know, they've seen, uh, at his high school in, in Green Hope that they've seen MLB scouts out there. But uh, another caveat to that is he also has a teammate that's getting uh, looked at and scouted for the MLB draft. Um, mm. So it's it, it's kind of up in the air at this point. I, I, for me personally, I would say to be hopeful, um, obviously, that he uh, continues his career at Carolina. Mm -hmm. But uh, with any scenario, it, it's hard to blame a guy um, – for wanting to go out and um, receive monetary compensation for the thing that they, for their passion, right. for what they put their energy into. So mm -hmm. um, I think in any scenario, it's also important to note that Carolina also has two other very good wide receivers coming in this year mm -hmm. and Deami Brown and uh, Anton Green. So I, I think that UNC will certainly be fine regardless. He is, he's obviously a special player and a player that uh, myself and I'm sure you would like to see in Carolina Blue. But I think everything will be okay no matter what his decision is. Yeah, I mean, for sure, anybody that's a Tar Heel fan, we, we want to see him out there because, we've you know, we've seen the tape. We've seen him, you know, in, in if you've watched, you know, some of the games that he's played in when it comes to these uh, – these like the the bowl games that they have for high school players. So like the U.S. Army All American game, I know he was in. You know, you've seen and you've heard coming out of these camps that look, this kid is legit. This kid comes in here and competes with the best in his class. You know, of course we're gonna want him on campus. And the thing about Major League Baseball is, you know, there's an opportunity to go pro in something that he loves. I know he loves baseball. I know he loves both sports. So. You know, I, I 
you know, just just looking at you know his his Twitter account in general, just seeing some of the stuff he's tweeted, I can tell he's having a tough time with the decision. So, you know, I I, I hate it for him because I feel like he is is worried about letting people down, and you know, I I at least from me, look, you've got to do what you what's best for you. You know, we we're not the ones that need to determine your future, and that's something that I think fans have to realize. Most most of the time with any of these recruits, you see them tweeting at these recruits, and it's like, man, they've got to make the decision that's best for them. I mean, what it, what is the best decision for him is is kind of confusing. I mean, you look at his stats in baseball. I mean, the kid's batting four seventy three with two home runs, thirty three RBIs, and he's got thirty one stolen bases. That's ridiculous. Those are great numbers. You know, the the concern is is how you know the step up from the high school level straight to the major leagues. Now it'll probably be minor league. He'll probably start out in in single A and have to work his way up. But the question is, you know, will he be able to adjust and be you know extremely successful? Is something that you you, you kind of wonder. And you know, I mean, we've seen it before with some of these prospects that come out straight out of high school in Major League Baseball. It's hard to work your way up through that many levels, especially when you enter the sport at such a young age. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, there's things he can definitely come to Carolina and work on. I mean, I know you know his his power is is not you know the greatest, but I don't think that's quite the type of player that he is. And you know, coming there and learning under Mike Fox, who is probably one of the more respected coaches out there. I don't think would necessarily be a bad thing for baseball uh, purposes. And then, of course, you know, the experience coming on the football team. I mean, he's a guy that honestly could go in the first round of the NFL draft one day. They're seeing him as that much of a talent as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, being able to play with your dad, that would be a special experience, I think. And I feel like he still loves the game of football. So, you know, it's 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 definitely tough. I'm kind of with you. I think there are a good amount of guys there that can sort of mask him leaving. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm afraid to lose a talent like that. But, you know, it is something that, you know, you got to think about and you can't just brush off as if it is nothing. It is something. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you. There are guys behind him that can definitely definitely uh cover it up to at least a certain extent like I feel that's that's one of our better areas on the team so um yeah with that you know we'll stick with the wide receiver group people might be wondering who are going to be the guys that would end up trying to you know mask the loss of Jordan Adams well there are some guys that we know definitely won't you know, we entered the summer knowing that Josh Cabrera and Devin Perry had graduated early and were moving on. Josh Cabrera, I believe, is going to try to play football somewhere else. Um, and Devin Perry is done with football. He's, uh, I think he's moving on and focusing on uh, whatever, you know, his schooling was for, which is, which is great for him and great opportunity, hopefully, for Josh Cabrera. Um, but, you know, in I think it was last week where we got the news um, with with very, very co complicated reports. I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, Javal Millette, we know, is gone. Javal Millette is officially gone. He will transfer. Um, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to transfer to, but I know he is going to try to play somewhere else. Messy situation there where apparently he has been online complaining about Gunther Brewer and how he was unfair um, to him. You know, he was kind of pushed down on the depth chart and he feels like, um, or at least I, I know there was someone that was commenting that he apparently had been saying how he felt like he was just as good of a talent as Anthony Ratliff Williams and that, you know, he got pushed down the depth chart and kind of left for broke. I don't know what to make of that situation. I'm not going to try to involve myself in that at all. Um, but he will be off the team. The other one is JT Cawthon. Now, this is the confusing situation because there were dual reports released, one from Inside Carolina and one from Tar Heel Illustrated. So those are the two biggest um, – What am I, those, those are the two biggest media outlets when it comes to Carolina football. Uh, in specific. So they, they do a great job covering them over there. Inside Carolina, I believe Greg Barnes was the one who released it. And for Tario Illustrated, I know Andrew Jones released that. And they are about as in touch as it gets. 
But I talked to one source that I know um, who told me that he says that he talked to Cawthon in person, and Cawthon told him that that is not the truth. He will be back at Carolina in the fall. And right now, you know, I don't know what to make of that situation. So, you know, you look at these guys that we are going to be losing, you know, with, with four guys right there leaving, you know, Thomas Jackson still coming back from injury, and we two of the guys that we will be welcoming in, uh, you know, for sure are going to be Diami Brown and Anton Green, as you said. They're both freshmen. So is there any concern maybe starting to creep into your mind about this wide receiving core right now? Um, I, I would not say that there's concern because I do think that there's already a lot of talent here and a lot of young talent. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we already know uh, what Anthony Rowlett Williams is giving us, but right. I mean, the, the, the two guys out of spring that were kind of vying for those two other wide receiver spots were Daz Newsom and Bo Corrales right. that are both um, underclassmen. And then you had um, early entrant freshman Deami Brown that was already pushing for, uh, you know, a, a second string spot. So I, I certainly think that there is – this is a good wide, wide receiver core, and there's a lot of youth, and a lot of youth is kind of moving to the top of that. So I, I think that explains part of some of these transfers that we may be seeing. You know, I've seen the same thing. I've seen conflicting reports on JT Cochran, so I'm kind of waiting to see – what becomes of that, but it, it certainly surprised me that he was a guy that could potentially transfer because yeah. he was a guy that, you know, was very much entrenched in the second string lineup, probably would have gotten a fair amount of playing time and was a redshirt freshman. I mean, he, he was a guy that really hadn't spent a lot of time in Carolina, but had a lot of potential coming out of high school mm-hmm. and certainly could have vied for playing time. Um, going forward, even even with, you know, these these highly touted freshmen coming in. So besides that, um, this is not a, a huge wide receiver core, but it, it's certainly one that has a fair amount of guys. I mean, with JT Contran, we'd be at about 10 scholarship wide receivers on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, without him, we'd be at about nine. But I, I've, I've seen – a rumor and I don't I don't I want to preface this by saying that this is very much something that is unverified that is not based on anything that I've heard from any official source but there are contemplations I will call them that JT Cotron's status is kind of depending on uh, the Jordan Adams decision um, that there's kind of some nervousness surrounding you know playing time if Jordan stays and joins the team in the fall and kind of will perceivably entrench himself into into the two deep. I mean, we know what talent he has coming in. Um, I don't know mm. if that's the case. I don't think that it should be the case, honestly. I, right. I think that these are both guys that will compete playing time within this two deep. And, I mean, you, you have Thomas Jackson that's coming back from injury, but we don't know where his spot's going to be in the two deep. Um we have guys like Rontavius Groves and right. Roscoe Johnson mm-hmm. that are looking for playing time. So with the sheer number of guys that we have, I don't think that it's uh, – if I were a wide receiver, I, I wouldn't feel at this point like I need to – if I was in JT Cochran's position as registered freshman, I, I would feel that I still have time to prove myself. But that that's just my opinion. If, mm-hmm. Like we've said before, it's, it's the best choice – for the individual is what's important. So I, I'm not worried about it per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's also important to note, as we mentioned before, with the recruiting is that UNC, as always, is still recruiting wide receivers um, in this 2019 class and in the 2020 class. So it's not something that's necessarily a concern. I, and like, like we've said before, this is arguably one of the most talented positions on the roster. Right. I, I don't think that wide receiver is really – uh, the concern on the team or on the offense. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a concern. I think that based on the things that you said and other things I've heard, I think Javon Mollette transfer- transferring was um, pretty pretty easy, pretty cut and dry. Right. Um, but we'll see what happens with JT Contran. And as I said before, uh, obviously – 
what I support is whatever he feels is best for himself, and I, I think that we'll do well with or without him in terms of wide receivers. That was that was interesting what you said there, and you know that that was something that you know I hadn't really thought about, but when you said it, yeah, that that kind of does make some sense. You know, I saw and at one point I know he was with he was running with the ones during uh, spring practice, so he did see a good amount of playing time in spring. And, you know, you brought it up. Look, Thomas Jackson's coming back from injury. Rontavious Toe Groves is coming back from back-to-back gruesome injuries to the knee. We don't know exactly what he's going to be. Roscoe Johnson has been extremely hit and miss. So I think, you know, there is there's a playing time available. It's It's there. I think he could, you know, he's one of those guys that could take it. And I was expecting him to be one of those guys that could have a breakout year this year. Now, the thing that, you know, we've got to kind of note is, look, we don't know for sure that transferring is about playing time. He can have a family issue. I know he lives right in this local area. He used to play at Cuthbertson High School. I've went and seen him before. So, you know, I know his family and everything like that. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if anything is, is wrong with the family or what, but there could be something going on. So we need to take that into account if he does end up transferring. Don't say, oh, he's just transferring because he's not getting playing time. You don't know this, you know, we don't know the situation 100% unless he actually reveals the situation. So, um, you know, if it, if, if it does end up being for playing time, you know, I, I, can, I can even understand that. But, you know... Well, uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. So, um, yeah, that's uh, anything else you really want to touch on at, at the wide receiver? I th- I think that's pretty much that's pretty much it there. You know. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's a wait and see situation, and you and she should be good at wide receiver in the coming years, uh, regardless of the outcomes of things that we've discussed today. Right. So, all right. So the last thing that we're going to talk about, and, uh, you know, I do have an interview uh, coming up. Uh, You guys will hear that right after uh, we finish this segment right here. Uh, Is the draft an offseason move from the Tar Heels? So as you guys know, the NFL draft, of course, finished up – little over just almost two weeks now so it's been it's been it's been a, a little bit of time between here so we've had time to kind of sit let, let these draft picks sink in you know for your NFL teams I'm sure you've got your opinions your grades that you want to do but from a Tar Heel perspective we look at it and you know I think we were kind of shocked by the three you know the fact that we did have three guys drafted it looked like going into day three okay we Probably we're going to come out with MJ Stewart and the rest of the guys were probably going to go as undrafted free agents. And that was okay because we've seen that in the past undrafted free agents have fared better than some of the late round picks. But instead, we get two guys selected in the seventh round. So, of course, the one that we're talking about early is MJ Stewart selected uh, with the 53rd pick in the second round to Tampa Bay. One of those ones that I really liked. Uh, Andre Smith then goes in the seventh round to the Carolina Panthers and Austin Prohl in the seventh round as well. Uh, not Mr. Irrelevant second to last there. He was almost Mr. Irrelevant. So unfortunately he doesn't get that, uh, that title, but, um, I don't think Austin really cares. He's ended up going to Buffalo. So that could be a good situation for him there. Um, I know you probably watched the draft. I mean, us football nerds, we love it. So, you know, what did you make of the three guys that got drafted, and how did you like the fits with the teams that they landed with? Um, I, I certainly liked the draft. I mean, it, it was, I think going into it, we thought that it was generally just going to be two guys drafted. I mean, most mock drafts only had MJ Stewart and Andre Smith, but I was very happy to see Austin Prohl get drafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was a guy that I think was um, a little um, – underappreciated in college, uh, not only on the national scene, but at UNC. I think for a lot of us guys that are a little bit more uh, in, t- in touch and in tune with the program, he was a guy that was a fan favorite. I mean, he, w- he was a guy that right. even in limited playing time showed some some good, some good burst there, um, had some good hands, was a really good route runner. Yep. Um, so uh, it was certainly something I was happy with. Um, I thought Andre Smith might have gone a little bit higher, but the seventh round is not really unheard of given his career. I mean, he obviously showed some flashes, but maybe didn't have quite the volume of film 
that NFL teams would like to see mm-hmm. in terms of um, an early entrant like himself. And then MJ Stewart was a guy that we saw mocked kind of in the first three rounds for a long time. So I, his pick was very much um, one that was uh, kind of going as planned. And, and it, it's good to see as well. It's good to see Carolina, as always, get some of these kind of uh, first couple round picks. And, and MJ is certainly uh, a good fit there in Tampa Bay. I, I They probably needed some help there in the secondary. And I think that MJ can go in and be someone that competes for playing time early. He's a guy that can play, you know, not only outside corner, but probably will excel at inside corner there in the nickel position. He played a lot of that in college. Um, and I, I think he has good skills there. Um, moving on to the other two, Andre Smith, I think goes into a really good situation, uh, with the Panthers. Um, they have a a great linebacking core and they have a lot of guys that I think he can learn from. I mean, he, he is a younger guy out here. I think he was a redshirt sophomore, redshirt, redshirt junior, Mm -hmm. um, going into the draft. So I, I still think that despite, obviously he has a lot of talent. I still think that he has things to work on in terms of his technique uh, in, in kind of to become that more complete middle linebacker. And I think he has some great guys to learn from there uh, in Charlotte. And then Austin Prohl, uh, I, th- I think that he can be a good weapon. Uh, I think he can do a lot of what people thought that, um, I'll just touch on real quick, that people thought that Ryan Switzer would do mm-hmm. uh, in Dallas. Now we've seen that he's moved on uh, to the Oakland Raiders. But I, I think that Austin Prohl is a guy that hopefully can go in and um, have have an impact, maybe not an early impact, but can can show his skills, can kind of fight for a roster spot there. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you a hundred percent on on pro for sure. You know, that's a guy that I think was undervalued uh, in the draft specifically because of the injuries that he suffered uh, this year which limited his playing time because we saw last year there was a lot of upside on him. And he was a kid that, according to one guy that I talked to, I know he had been pushed probably into the fifth round as kind of his floor and could have been seen as a guy that had a ceiling of possibly a day two pick uh, entering this season because they thought he was going to take it to the next level. And it looked like he was going to be able to do that until the injury struck. So... You know, that's that's one of those guys that I think might be, when they look back on the draft, if he ends up making the roster there in Buffalo, which I feel he has a real shot to, that could be one of those guys that's a real steal. Andre Smith, I totally agree with you. The guy he's got to learn from is Thomas Davis. That is a guy that I think he could resemble very much if he is able to develop his skill set. I think he's got a very similar skill set. He's seen as a guy that's, you know, a thumper. He's going to hit you hard. Um, And the good thing about him, he's got great special teams value similar to Thomas Davis. So, you know, that's an area that, you know, I, I agree. That's a place where he can learn. He's. I think he's got a real shot, and I think he can make the roster and a potentially have an early impact. I think him along. You know, they did draft a guy in the fifth round in Jermaine Carter Jr., but that's a guy out of Maryland that not a lot of people know a ton about. Andre Smith's a little more of a known commodity, and they're kind of seen as on. You know, on the same level. Even though he was drafted in the fifth round, he's not seen as a guy that has to stay on the roster. So he could battle him for a chance to make the roster and potentially play with Thomas Davis being suspended uh, for the first four games there in Carolina. So he could get some early playing time. And MJ Stewart, man, they're pretty much already saying that he's going to see time out there. The secondary last year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was horrific. They had the worst pass defense in the league yards-wise. So I'm going to tell you right now, MJ Stewart's going to see his time there early. Nickel corner for sure. He's one of the better tacklers out of that position that we've seen. But, you know, it's like I tell everybody that I talk to, these draft experts and everything, look, this kid can play on the outside. His pass deflections numbers show you that. He did it pretty much his entire career. He has such a great ability to adjust to wherever he is at. You know, when he's on the outside, he does a great job of being able to play that off coverage out of the zone, and then when he's at that nickelback spot, he just does a great job in run support, and his closing speed is what makes him a difference maker. That's going to show up at the next level as well. It's not just going to go away. So I feel like he has a chance to have a real big impact. 
I know you saw some of the other guys that end up going as undrafted free agents. I just wanted to ask you real quick, you know, uh, who do you think is in the best situation? Who do you think has a chance to make the rosters? Um, you know, I mean, Bentley Spain's out in New York with the Jets, Casey Collins with Miami, Donnie Miles in Atlanta with Cam Dillard as well, joining him there. Uh, RJ Prince goes to Green Bay. Uh, Khalil Rogers, who we're going to have that interview coming up, goes to Buffalo. And then Dewan Drennan, I know, going up to New York with the Giants. So, you know, out of those guys, do you think any of them have a chance to make the roster? Um, without being uh, probably as dedicated an expert of, uh, you know, all of the NFL rosters as you, I'll just go basically on the guys that I think were the best prospects right. um, out of these undrafted free agents. And that would probably be, for me, that would be a tie between Kason uh, Collins and Donnie Miles. Mm -hmm. I think Donnie Miles has had, had a really good career uh, in the UNC secondary, was a guy that really held down um, one of those safety spots over the year. And Kason Collins specifically this year, I mean, with, with having um, the injuries that we had, specifically with Andre Smith, he was asked to have a bigger role this year. So I, I, I certainly think just based on what I saw in college, those are the two guys. Um, that I feel have the, maybe the best tools and best experience to take them to the to the next level. I'm not I can't speak uh, at length or at detail about maybe kind of what the rosters are looking at right now. But mm -hmm. I'll, I mean, I'll I'll kick it to you in terms of those undrafted free agents. I mean, who who are you looking at in terms of the situations of the various rosters? What what do you think that they're uh, who will be the guys that you know kind of push for a roster spot or even for playing time? Well. Yeah, I, I, I'm the guy you said it. Donnie Miles is probably the guy because you look at Donnie Miles and his ability out of that safety spot is it, it's it's really focused on being a great run defender. So to me, you know, I, I wrote about it in an article. I think that he has the ability to play in in so many different spots. He could play as that strong safety if you need him to play there. He can play as a linebacker if you put on enough weight. I feel like he has that ability, uh, you know, tackling-wise for sure to be a linebacker. And I don't feel like he's really that far away weight-wise from being able to play that linebacker or that hybrid linebacker. That's kind of what I feel him as. You know, there's a guy that came out of Washington State a few years ago. His name was Dion Buchanan. Now, he went in the first round. I'm not saying Donnie Miles is on that type of level. Dion Buchanan was a very special, very, very special player. Donnie Miles has that tackling ability, and to me, you know, as a safety, he only had one career interception, so you wouldn't lose a ton if you moved him into that hybrid linebacker spot, but he still has that ability to affect the football, to get a hand on the football, and if you need him to cover, he has that ability to be a pass coverage guy. To me, that's, that's the guy that has the best chance. Because I feel like there's opportunity in the Atlanta secondary, and I feel like his talent really is there. You know, the other guy that I like, I like Bentley Spain. Bentley Spain's got the size, and, you know, with the New York Jets, their offensive line has been lackluster at best. You know, the Jets have been one of those teams that I think is open to really bringing in undrafted free agents. I know a couple of years ago, Romar Morris, who was one of our running backs, he ended up making that roster. So, you know, when I look at it, I think Bentley Spain's got a real chance. You know, I like what you said about Casey Collins. I think he built a lot uh, of, of, of stock towards where he is now, uh, you know, this past season. Because before that, I, I really kind of felt that he was, he was kind of just a college linebacker. He was a guy that at times would miss tackles and you, you, you'd just be scratching your head. But this year... He really stepped it up. He was pretty much most of the year he was our best player on defense. And that's something that could end up helping him in Miami. I, I just really don't know. Um, maybe I, I think his size might be a little concerned. He might be a little undersized. But if he puts on the weight and proves that he's a sure-handed tackler, I think he can make the roster. Um and then, I mean, I look at the other guys. They've all got opportunities, I think. Khalil Rogers is very interesting, and I'll tell you why. He came out as a five-star guy, or excuse no, four-star. Four-star center, but he was ranked as the number three center in the country back in his recruiting class when he was at USC. Um, you know, USC, he played pretty much everywhere. 
So, you know, they, they, he never really had time to get himself set in a role. And I thought when he came to Carolina, when he played at the guard position, I thought he did a very good job when he was in the game. You know, he kind of battled Nick Polino throughout the year. And, you know, you'll hear it in the interview. He was a guy, you know, that's a guy that he developed a relationship with and he doesn't hold any ill feelings against. He really said that he's that guy that's going to break out this year. But, you know, I think that him, you know, when he was in there, he was very, very effective. So that's a guy that has, you know, had the potential at a time and probably still has that potential. Maybe Buffalo takes a risk on him, you know, on an offensive line that they are going to have to rebuild just a little bit from losing some of the guys that they did uh, in the offseason. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's uh, that's pretty much – that's all I got, man. Uh, you know, hey, thanks for coming on and, and chilling. I don't know if you uh, – do you want to talk about any, any other stuff with the draft or hit on any other points really quick? I uh, know that's all for me, but, I mean, I'm always here and available. So if anything else comes up, I mean, we'll, we'll look at things in the coming months. But, I mean, that, that's everything for me today. All right, man. Yeah, we'll definitely be checking in. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll probably have you on in uh, about a month, and we'll kind of just check in. There'll probably be some other recruiting storylines that we can at least talk about. And, you know, by that point, you know, I guess I guess we can start to somewhat prepare ourselves for fall camp. Hopefully that's not too early. But, you know, maybe maybe we'll start looking towards fall camp. So, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Great as always, man. You know I love having you on. And you know your stuff. It's awesome. And, yeah, congratulations on, you know, graduating from Carolina. Um, you know, just just a great job. And, you know, I know I know we're proud of you. And I'm, I'm assuming that the rest of the Tar Heel fan base is definitely proud of you as well, man. So, uh, you know, have fun. Have fun this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you pretty soon, all right? All right. Sounds good. All right, man. You take care. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. So that's it from my buddy Zach there. Zach Hubbard. Follow him on Twitter at HacksHubbard. And remember, guys, I'm going to put this out, uh, you know, on Monday. But still, congratulate him on his graduation. Very proud of him there graduating from Carolina. So some of the other things that we we, we will touch on we'll, uh, afterwards, we'll look at the other Tar Heel moves really quick. But first. Here's the interview that I promised you guys sitting down with former, now former, Tar Heel offensive guard Khalil Rogers to talk about his opportunity with the Buffalo Bills. Everything as well. I just got done training, so it's perfect. All right, man. Uh, so, yeah, hey, uh, thanks for getting the time. Hey, and uh, I, I saw your message, man. Don't worry about it. Trust me. I, I totally understand. You've been moving. You got uh, your son. So, yeah, you got a whole bunch of things going on, man. So, uh, mind if I ask you a couple questions real quick? Yeah. Hey, so, uh, you know, you started your career at USC, and we're kind of all over the place there, starting six games at center, four games at guard, and you even played a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. So in your time at USC, how were you able to deal with all that adversity that you kind of went through? Uh, well, just, just believing in my teammates and believing in myself. You know, uh, during my time at USC, I experienced uh, four different head coaches and five different offensive line coaches. So uh, it was kind of a double-edged sword where I had to get used to each coach, but at the same time learning different systems. So it kind of helped out in the end. Yeah, and then last off season, of course, you decided to transfer to Carolina. What was the influ- what what kind of influenced your choice to come to Chapel Hill and to be a part of what we you know have going up there? Well, I just felt uh, at that time my situation at USC, I didn't I didn't see myself um, being being the guy there no longer. So I, I felt as though um, that I believed in myself, and I felt that I needed another shot at another uh, program and. When North Carolina reached out, I looked at the situation, thought it was perfect for me. So I thought it was the best option for me. It was closer to home on the East Coast. You know, uh, I enjoyed the coaches, Coach Fedora, Coach Coach Cap, you know. So I just felt like it was a great fit to me to make that transfer to North Carolina. Well, you weren't the only transfer last year. Cam Dillard also transferred uh, from Florida. Did you guys kind of have a connection because you guys were transfers on the offensive line? Uh, we definitely had a connection, you know, coming from coming from um, like big time like programs like USC and Florida, you know, and and playing in those conferences is he he understands like uh, basically what goes on playing an offensive line in those type uh, leagues, you know. So we kind of had a common understanding that this is our last shot and we have to do what we have to do, you know, to, to possibly make a team at the end of the year. So 
um, he definitely understand the grind and understand where I came from and where he was coming from. So I think that's why we kind of gelled and and uh, we're best buds now. So <laughs> yeah, man. Uh... You know, one of the moments that I think kind of stands out for you, you were selected as a team captain for the game against Virginia. How special was that experience for you, and how did you find out that you were going to be a captain before that game? Well, it just I, – I always bring a certain attitude to me in practice, and I've been told over the years that it elevates everybody else's game. So, and it's always been that at Carolina, you know, I would bring a certain attitude to practice, and, and guys would see it. So, it just, it just came that week that, you know, the coaches were just like, hey, we love what you bring to the table every week, and it's time that you get noticed for it, you know. And, you know, especially coming back off my little retirement deal, you know, I had to prove to my to my teammates, you know, like, I'm here for good, and I'm going to give you all that I got. So I always had that mentality in practice and in game. So they finally seen it, you know, and they wanted to make sure that I was acknowledged for it on the Virginia week. Yeah, uh, you know, that that that's an awesome experience. I mean, that's got to be one of the main memories that stands out for you. Uh, I mean, are there any other real moments that, you know, you're you're definitely going to remember from your year at Carolina? Definitely like um cuz you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a winning season, but it was definitely a lot of great moments that we had, you know, um fighting adversity through all the injuries we had, you know. That was a big kill to our season, so just fighting through the adversities and, and coming out on, on wins like against Pittsburgh up in the cold weather, you know, fight neck to neck with that team, you know, and we end up coming out with a win. That was like one of the, one of the greatest memories of my college career, you know, and um, definitely just being a captain for the Virginia game. And, and, and it's kind of weird, but fascinating at the same time as me playing Notre Dame in another, in another stadium, you know, cause I, at USC, they were like my main rivals, you know? Right. And then, it was fascinating to play them as a North Carolina Tar Heel and still disliking them to, to the utmost. So <laughs> that, was, that was pretty fascinating to do that. And um, I just think just meeting those guys, you know, and just and, and gaining new friendships for a lifetime, man, it's just – it's been amazing for me, man. So just meeting those guys down there and, and Coach Redora and Coach Captain, those guys are having a long time friendship and relationship with those guys and some memories that is going to last forever for me. Yeah, now, I mean, you're getting ready to head to the NFL. Just got uh, signed for training camp with the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, just kind of walk me through, you know, what that feeling was when, you know, you got that call from the Bills to say, hey, man, we, we want to have you in camp. Yeah, it, it was a blessing. You know, um, I was talking with my agent, and, and the Buffalo Bills were actually, like, the number one team who actually needed, you know, offensive linemen. So it kind of worked out for me, you know, in the long run. So. I just I feel blessed for the opportunity, and I just can't wait to go out there and show what I can do, you know. And that's that's really all guys need is just one shot, you know. Exactly, man. And uh, you won't be the only Tar Heel going up there. You think that having Austin Prohl up there with you will will kind of help having a familiar face? It, Austin Prohl, he matched my energy. I love EP, so it's it's gonna be good to see him up there with me. You know, that'll be a blessing for me. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely wishing you the best. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's an awesome opportunity for you. Last thing I wanted to ask you kind of focuses a little on your personal life. You know, you, you do have a son that's two years old. You know, what what kind of influence has your son been for you, uh, you know, throughout your college career? He's been everything to me, you know, like. I've, I've, I've almost missed the game to see him born, you know, so I'll drop anything in the world for him, you know, and um, just, just since he's been here, he's just been the utmost blessing to me and my family, and he's definitely the reason why I grind, you know, so everything I do is always him in the back of my mind and, and guiding me through the right directions because at the end, it's all going to be a result of how it affects him and, and how he looks at things later on in life and, and see how I did things, you know, so... I just kind of take that into perspective and being an athlete, but also being the best dad as possible. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, hey, uh, thanks for uh, doing this. Oh, I did want to ask you one other question, if you don't mind, real quick. Um, You know, focusing on this year's offensive line, you know, you're going to be the guy that's going to know, you know, everything kind of the best about this team. You know, who are the guys that you think are going to step forward this year for Carolina on that offensive line? Well, I, I think I think Nick Polino is, is going to be the guy, um, definitely interior wise. Um, JJ McCargo, he's he's fresh off the, the uh, shoulder injury, but I I feel like he's coming back in the summer, 
regain his strength back, and he, he's going to be a solid player. And Charlie Heck, of course, he's going to be one to remember, you know, and, and the young guys like Mar- Marcus McKeeson, he's going he's gonna to be a first-rounder in a couple years, I guarantee you that. Oh, so, all right, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's they something, have, that's something we want to hear, side. man. So. For real, seriously. Oh yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I mean, for sure. Yeah, I know Marcus is one of those guys that I was looking forward to. Uh, Billy Ross, I think that's a guy that yeah. could end up taking a step forward as well. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, man. Uh, hey, thanks for doing this interview, man. Thanks for uh, you know giving giving us just a little bit of your time, man. And uh, hope everything goes well for you up there. We'll definitely try to keep in touch, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime, man. No doubt, man. Hey, Appreciate man. You. No problem. Of course. You take care and good luck. All right, man. All right. Great stuff from Khalil there. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Let's cover some of the last-minute things that I wanted to go over, some of the other Tar Heel moves in the offseason. So we talked about the draft. You look at it, Ryan Switzer, during the draft, actually ends up getting traded. Of course, Ryan Switzer selected last year in the fourth round by the Dallas Cowboys. You know, there was a pro football focus article that ends up getting released. He really wasn't too thrilled about being released from the Cowboys, but let's be real. How or or traded from the Cowboys, excuse me. Traded, not released, traded. Get that let's make sure that we know that. My bad on that. Uh he was traded in the middle of the draft. You know, th- th- it was kind of something that I think we could all see coming when they ended up picking up Tavon Austin through trade earlier in the day. Kind of left us scratching our heads and wondering, okay, well, they've got Switzer there. Austin is a guy that can return the football. He's a slot receiver. Now, they say they're going to use him as a running back, but we'll see how that experiment works out. But, on four, you know, for Switzer, he gets traded to Oakland. You know, that I, I he, he was connected to Dallas, clearly. He was drafted there. So, in you know, for that reason, you know, I, I hate it for him. Um, you know, but... Going out to Oakland, being with John Gruden, a new regime out there, playing with Derek Carr, one of the league's you know better up-and-coming quarterbacks, I think it's a good opportunity for him out there. He's probably going to go out there and try to battle some of the senior guys that they have out there. I know Seth Roberts is their slot guy right now. That's the guy he's probably going to try to battle for snaps. I think he's going to be able to return kicks again this year. Kicks and punts. I think punts for sure, we know. Uh, I, I think the track record shows that. He should be returning kicks as well. So there's an opportunity out in Oakland for Switzer, and we wish him the best out there. So, you know, that was the main thing, um, you know, during the draft. I think that actually kind of became a main storyline in Toriel Country, you know, during the draft when he gets traded on day four, or day four, day three. So, you know... you. Definitely a guy that, you know, caught some headlines. One of the other ones that caught headlines, this one is more recent. Elijah Hood has ended up signing with the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, the Panthers, they're they're going to bring in a new regime this year. North Turner is going to be their offensive coordinator. And he's always had these bigger backs in his offense. Elijah Hood ends up getting released from... The Oakland Raiders, who we just talked about, he was part of their practice squad last year, never really found his niche there, you know, in what was a loaded backfield out in Oakland. It still is a loaded backfield in Oakland. Now he's moving back to the Charlotte area to live in the area that he played his high school football. Now he's going to get a chance to play for the Carolina Panthers, a team that he, I, I feel like he's been pretty closely connected. I'm not sure on who he's a fan of, Exactly, but I'm assuming being, you know, living in the Carolinas, you kind of grow at least a little bit fond of the Panthers in most respects. So, you know, he comes back here. Now he's got a chance. Just yesterday, the Panthers released news that they're one of their running backs, you know, it's it's a guy that's a depth running back, but Fozzie Whitaker, who is their guy that was going to battle for the number three running back spot behind. The guys they already have there, Christian McCaffrey and C.J. Anderson, he ends up going down injured. So now Elijah Hood's going to have his chance. I feel like the way he runs is something that Norv Turner will really like to work with. And I feel like Norv Turner's getting a really, really good guy here when it comes to potential. There is a lot there. And, you know, from everything I've heard, you know, from the local area, from the guys that are on sports radio here at WFNZ who do a great job, 
you know, they talked the other day about it to one of their reporters, and he said, look, they, there is some optimism around him. So Elijah Hood has a real shot to do something, uh, you know, here with the Carolina Panthers. You know, we wish Elijah the best when it comes to that opportunity. And, you know, coming into this preseason, he's going to have a real shot. So, you know, one of the other storylines is going to be Chris Francis. Chris Francis, a former running back for the Tar Heels, he is playing football somewhere. I am not 100% sure on where it is. Um, you know, but I saw the other day he had posted it that he is back. Um, I, I, from the looks of it, I'm not going to say that I'm exactly right, but I believe that he is going to be playing overseas. I know TJ Giles is playing a former cornerback for the Tar Heels. I'm assuming, you know, if you're a big-time Tar Heel fan, you remember him. Uh, he played corner for us back, uh, you know, in the early 2010s to, um, I think he was, I think 2000, I think 2010 might have actually been his last year, actually. I don't remember exactly. Um, but he ends up, he, right now he plays over in Germany. Uh, Chris Francis, I saw, um, you know, he, he had a... He he had a uh, a jersey on. I know he's going through practice, and I, yeah, there he is right there. He will be playing for the Keel Baltic Hurricanes. Now, I I was looking this up, and I urge you guys to stick with me here. This is it is a German website, so I can't read exactly, but the name seems to be the Keel Baltic Hurricanes over in the German league. So Chris Francis is back on the field. Again, we wish Chris the best in his opportunities, and that is something that I think we can all be proud of. Chris Francis was a guy that, you know, never really got an opportunity to star at Carolina with just so much talent in that backfield that he was being that, that he was a part of with Elijah Hood, Romar Morris, TJ Logan. You know, he never really got his opportunity, but this is well deserved for Chris Francis, and we wish him the best over there with the Kale Baltic. Hurricanes. The last thing that I'll touch on is a former Tar Heel has officially retired from the CFL. That's right. Darian Durant, one of the greatest players in CFL history. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. Mark my words. He ends up retiring. A great career for Darian Durant, including one Grey Cup victory. He, um, you know, a guy that was, I, I, he had switched rosters again uh, this past season. So I'm not, you know, I, I think at that point it was kind of where he realized, look, this is pretty much the end of it. Um, but you know, an article released today says that the Winnipeg blue bombers were, were, were sort of caught off guard, uh, by the fact that he is retiring, but Darian Durant is officially retiring from the CFL. So, you know, that, that's something that, you know, I, I think we, you know, we're all going to congratulate him for a great career. You look at it, I mean, his numbers are pretty self-explanatory. I mean, he threw for uh, th 31,740 yards, 167 touchdowns in his career to 115 interceptions. Of course, in his time at Carolina, he was the star quarterback, uh, you know, battle, uh, battled or shared time with Ronald Curry during the 2001 season and then took over from there, was a starting quarterback, all the way up until 2004, one of the most successful quarterbacks in Carolina history and one of the most successful quarterbacks in CFL history as he won a championship with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we wish Darian the best in his endeavors here as he heads into retirement. Guys, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast you know, uh, anybody that is already subscribed, thank you so much. If you're not subscribed, but you love what you're hearing, we're on Spreaker. Subscribe on Spreaker. We're going to be putting out episodes as, as regularly as possible when it comes during the regular season. Right now in the off season, it's still a little bit tough, and I am going to be going through an internship for schooling. So it will be hit or miss, but I'm going to try to put out a decent amount of content you know over these next couple of months throughout the summer and once we get pretty much into that late july early august period we're going to be hitting it hard fall camp will start and we will be looking at position breakdowns 
Guys, check out the blog as well. Great stuff on the Heel Tough blog, talking Jordan Adams, all these things that we just talked about. There are articles up online about him right now. Read about Giovanni Bigger's commitment, you know, what his commitment means. Read about what his coach, Richie Shell, said about him, trying to get a feel of what, what, what this kid is all about. Recruiting is always going to be up there. All sorts of stuff on recruiting there. I'm going to be putting up my initial scouting list for this coming year. Who are the guys that I will potentially be going on the road to scout this upcoming season, including a potential surprise guy. My friend's moving up to Belpre, Ohio, a uh, small town up in Ohio. And just about an hour and 45 minutes away from that is Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle at Huntington High School in Huntington, West Virginia. This kid's a five-star, so there is a potential that that will be on the schedule to get scouted. So check that out. That'll be up soon, guys. And, uh, you know, as I said, if you're subscribed, thank you. If not, Spreaker, you can subscribe. iTunes, you can subscribe. If you got an Android phone, Google Play has it. Subscribe on there. Um, I know that SoundCloud, We I think some of the episodes haven't been able to be uploaded uh, if you want to subscribe to the YouTube page, they uh, it also posts to there. There will be no video with it. It's just the sound on there. But if you guys really want to hear it, go ahead and subscribe on there. Um, and, you know, thank you for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>